Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. There's no question. The Chinese hid the virus from the world. The lies that China has been caught in the middle of. China has to pay for all of this. There's a new sheriff in town. The corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. Toxic trade. The human beings whose lives have been upended. Joe Biden's been to Ukraine. He has yet to go to Ohio. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a brand new week. And, uh, you know, it's true that uh, China has been lying about COVID. But we can't do anything about their lies. I mean, they're going to lie. <laughs> that's, that's their modus operandi. But we can do something about the liars in the Biden administration and the liars that have held up, propped up China, propped up China's lies. We can hold accountable guys like Anthony Fauci, Anthony Fauci, who has made himself independently wealthy over this. That is the big red flag. Yeah, you're the big red flag. Uh, l- listen, there is a piece in the New York Post written by Jonathan Turley. And again, we've complimented Jonathan Turley many times on here. He is not a right-wing conspiracy guy. Uh, I I doubt that he voted, he hasn't said that I know of, I doubt he voted for Donald Trump. He considers himself a, a moderate, but a constitutionalist. And if you're truly a constitutionalist, you see what is going on in this administration. You see what is going on across the United States. You see what's going on in the mainstream media. And you've got to say to yourself, this ain't right. Listen to what he says in this Washington Post uh, column. I mean, not Washington Post, New York Post, for sure. The Washington Post wouldn't touch us with a 10-foot pole. He writes, the Wall Street Journal reports that the Energy Department has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak. The conclusion is reportedly based on a classified intelligence report recently provided to the the White House and key members of Congress. Many will be exploring why the scientific evidence of a lab leak was so slow to emerge from intelligence agencies. However, for my part, says Jonathan Turley, for my part, the most alarming aspect was the censorship, not the science. Now there will be an actual debate. For many years, the media and government allied to treat anyone raising a lab theory as one of three possibilities, conspiracy theorist or racist or racist conspiracy theorist. Academics joined this course in marginalizing anyone raising the theory. One study cited the theory as an example of anti-Chinese racism and toxic, toxic white masculinity. As of late 2021, a New York Times science and health reporter called any mention of the lab theory racist. This reporter and others made clear that reporters covering the theory were COVID's little bull Connors. She tweeted wistfully, someday we will stop talking about the lab leak theory and maybe even admit its racist roots. But alas, that day is not here yet. However, one former New York Times science editor, Nicholas Wade, chastised his former colleagues for ignoring the obvious evidence supporting a lab theory, as well as Chinese efforts to arrest scientists and destroy evidence that could establish the origin. 
Others in academia quickly joined the bandwagon to assure the public that there was no scientific basis for their theory, leaving only racism or politics as the motivational theory, uh, the motivation behind the theory, I should say, in early 2020 with little available evidence, two op-eds in The Lancet and in the Nature Medicine, all went on to the denial front. No reference to the lab theory was to be tolerated. When Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, merely mentioned the possibility in 2020, he was set upon by the usual flash media mob. The Washington Post ridiculed him for repeating the debunked coronavirus conspiracy theory. And listen, there, there are a lot of people that are just saying, I mean, some people were saying, you know, that, that the, the Anthony Fauci's of the world were, were dead wrong. That I mean, early on, that they, there's no way this came from a wet meat market, from a bat. And yet they were immediately ridiculed. They were immediately kicked off of social media. In September of 2020, Dr. Li Ming Yang, I should say, a virologist and former postdoctoral fellow at University of Hong Kong, dared to repeat the theory on Fox News saying, I could present solid scientific evidence that it was a man-made virus created in the lab. The left-leaning politifact slammed her and gave her pants on fire rating. President Biden accused Donald Trump of fanning racism in his criticism of the Chinese government over the pandemic. Remember that? Remember how the mainstream media attacked Donald Trump as being a racist for calling it the Chinese COVID virus? When Biden later revived an investigation into the origins, he was denounced as sugarcoating Trump's racism. The categorical re rejection of the lab theory is only the latest media narrative proven to be false. The Russian collusion scandal, the Hunter Biden Russian disinformation, the Lafayette Park photo op conspiracy, the Nick Salmon controversy, the Jesse Select case, the migrant whipping scandal. All of these are a reflection of the mainstream media pushing the liberal woke narrative. All of those experts and writers who were called racist and suspended by social media were simply forgotten in media coverage. That is what this is really about. Not science, but censorship, he says. The media guaranteed that we did not have a full debate over the origins of the virus and attacked those who had the temerity to state the obvious that there was a plausible basis for suspecting the Wuhan lab. None of this has diminished demands for more censorship even after Twitter admitted that it wrongly blocked the New York Post story before the 2020 election, Democratic senators responded by warning the company not to cut back on censorship and even demanded more censorship. Recently, the Twitter files reveal, revealed an extensive and secret FBI effort to censor citizens on social media. This included undisclosed efforts by members like Adam Schiff to get Twitter to ban a columnist and target critics. In a House hearing, Democrat leaders like Jamie Raskin of Maryland called for more censorship and opposed investigations into the censorship efforts. These same figures in politics and media are just moving on to the next approved narrative. Bingo. It's, it's not going to stop. They realize, okay, we basically won the battles. The war is over on the COVID thing. Yeah, we've got to admit, okay, but... Hey, we got our money's worth out of COVID, so what's the big deal? Let's go ahead and use the same tactic next time around. And get, get ready. It will. 
regardless of who the Republican nominee is for president, that individual will be vilified in the same fashion. Biden previously called for more censorship and accused big tech of killing people by not censoring more views deemed COVID misinformation. The opposite is true. By suppressing alternative scientific and policy views, the public was denied a full debate over mask efficacy, vaccine side effects, COVID origins, and other important issues. Many of those questions are only now being recognized as legitimate and worthy of debate. Censorship does not, as Biden claimed, save lives. It's more likely to cost lives by protecting approved views from challenge. It does not foster the truth any more than it fosters free speech. Whatever the origin of COVID-19 may be in China, the origin of our censorship scandal is closer to home. By the way, uh, this came up in an interview with the newest Republican to the House in terms of switching parties. New Jersey Representative Jeff Van Drew was on Fox this morning talking about the Wall Street Journal article, talking about the Jonathan Turley op-ed piece. This is what he had to say. Cut one. This was a virus we've never seen anything like before. They claimed it came from a wet meat market and it was a, a bat, and yet we've never seen anything that was actually natural like this. And certainly there should have been a thorough discussion. Certainly we should have had a president that was strong enough to speak with China, to really tell the World Health Organization to stop lying to us, to tell big tech, to let people actually tell the truth and not to repress those that really know what's going on at least have a vision of what's going on. Dr. Fauci, I mean, the American people are sick and tired of being lied to. People were punished for this. Some people lost their job if they had a different opinion than the really wrong opinion that was being put out there. You know, remember Dr. Fauci, I mean, it isn't only this issue. It was the mask issue. It was the very issue of COVID itself. It's been lie after lie, misinformation after misinformation, and it's about time we cracked this this egg open and really found what's actually going on not only did the Chinese and we and we know the real truth poison the world and the United States I mean let's just tell the truth hopefully it was an accident but not only did they do this but they lied about it and we have an administration that doesn't have the guts to go forward and get the truth out of them and we paid for it the taxpayer did pay for it. He is absolutely correct on that. But what's even more aggravating is those people that pushed this false narrative, many of them became independently wealthy. Many of them did. And Anthony Fauci is the poster child of that. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan yesterday said, eh, I can't conform, confirm or deny the Wall Street Journal reporting. The Wall Street Journal first reported that the uh, Department of Energy concluded that the coronavirus likely spread due to an accidental leak at the Chinese laboratory. The outlet cited a classified intelligence report recently provided to the White House and key members of Congress. Uh, people who read the classified report told the Wall Street Journal that the DOE ranked its conclusion as low confidence. Well, they're trying to cover their rear ends. <laughs> the report is out there. Oh, yeah, it's out there, but come on, it's low confidence. The FBI ranked the same conclusion in 2021. The COVID-19 pandemic was a result of an accidental lab leak uh, moderate, with moderate confidence. Uh, I, I mean, this is, this is 
frustrating. It's good to see that it is finally coming out. Again, listen, they're going to use the same tactics on the next issue that helps their cause. I, I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure they're working on it as we speak. It will be something manufactured. And uh, never let a good crisis go to waste, to quote Rahm Emanuel. And uh, when, when the next election comes up, and they've got this uh, yokel running for re-election again, uh, they will come up with something to vilify DeSantis, Trump, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, whoever the candidate is, they will vilify the, that candidate. And listen, we're going to take time out, lots more to talk about. And uh, interestingly, speaking of candidates, there is an announcement out today about someone who says they're going to run for against Joe Biden in the primary for president. Talk about that when we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Gorgeous afternoon out there today, and uh, the rest of the week, uh, not bad. Uh, as you look forward to uh, the week ahead, we'll have uh, a low tonight of about 56 with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, a high near 80. Tuesday night, mostly clear, the low around 49. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high of 77. And Wednesday night, uh, chance of a shower, low around 61. Chance of rain Wednesday night is 50%. So between now and then, looking pretty good. The Biden administration, by the way, the Biden, uh, Joe Biden and the Biden administration, they're now the official laughing stock of the world. Come on, man. Uh, sorry, Joe, but uh, there, there was a piece on, I think it was on PJ Media I was looking at earlier today, over in Australia. And I'm not kidding. Over in Australia, Joe Biden is the comic relief. I mean, they've they've got a program on there where they've got you know one of their some attractive female talking head, but basically introducing and, and the impetus of of why they had this one particular piece on the show was because the White House physician said Joe's in great shape. Uh, we talked about this last week. Although Joe's in great shape, but he doesn't have you know no cognitive tests were were given or released anyway. If they if they were given, they weren't talked about. But the Aussies over there are, are literally sitting sitting back, and they've got 15 minutes of Joe Biden's fumbling, bumbling clips and laughing at the fact that we've got a this administration and the fact that you got a White House physician lying through their teeth about uh, Joe Biden's cognitive abilities. <laughs> we know it ain't so, but it makes for good comic relief. Speaking of uh, being a la-la land, or, or is it la-la land or just out-and-out out lying? And, and those are your two choices. Incompetence isn't, you know, the, the idea that, well, they're just making bad political decisions. They're, you know, they're just... Their political background is such as that they're they're making these well the the decisions are not bad they're terrible, but it's it's not because of incompetence it's, this is what they want. It's it's either they're, they're brain dead or this is what they want. I I think it's this is what they want and the the brain dead president is what who is being used to get to that end. 
Uh, today it came out that the Biden administration quietly updated a federal database that shows how many unused oil and gas drilling permits that it has approved. And, uh, you know, they've been going for the, basically for about the last uh, year talking about, well, you know, there are 9,000 permits that are out there that aren't being used. Well, that was uh, taken down to 6,700. No major announcements. They just, all of a sudden, the number changed. Who do they blame? <laughs> you got, who did Obama blame? Time and time and time again, George Bush. Who does Biden blame? Time and time and time again, Donald Trump. And that's who they blame once again. Well, it was Donald Trump's fault. He wasn't taking good, uh, they weren't running correct numbers. And, and we were given bad information when we came into office. Uh, d did you ever remember Donald Trump talking about, you know, thousands of uh, permits that were issued that weren't being acted upon by the oil companies? No, because there's a great working relationship there between the oil companies and the government. The government was doing everything that they could to make us oily, uh, oily, <laughs> oil independent, fuel independent, energy independent. And uh, it worked. Biden, the results speak for themselves. Look at what, under Donald Trump, the, the cost at the gas pump, the fact that we are, we're, I think it's something like um, we have now reduced barrels of oil that the United States produces by something like 1.5 million barrels a day, I believe is the number. Um, it, it's a disaster under Joe. So as we're looking ahead, and, and by the way, um, on, the, on the Republican side, the first debate for the presidency is going to be August of this year in Milwaukee, which I think Milwaukee, the, the, a year later, is where they're going to hold the convention. Uh, Ronald McDaniel is uh, putting out a caveat now, I, again, it's going to be interesting on the early debates. Are they going to let everybody that's running in there? Probably not. I don't know if they'll do another two-tiered debate that, you know, if you're polling below 10%, you're in the, the B squad. If you're polling above 10%, you're in the A squad. But um, one of the things that they're saying, if you want to get on the debate stage, you've got to make a pledge that you will support whoever the nominee is. Which is really going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting two ways. Donald Trump, and of course, this was this was during the general election. You know, when they asked, you know, will you support um, the president, whoever's elected? And uh, Donald Trump wouldn't say he would support Hillary Clinton. But um, I think he was also hesitant in saying who would he would report in the support in the primary. And I think that's probably going to be the case again this time except for the fact that now they're saying, if you want to be a part of the debate stage, you've got to take this, make this pledge that you'll support whoever the nominee is. And that could be a pill hard to swallow for Donald Trump, but the other side of that coin is, if Larry Hogan, for example, were to make it up on the debate stage, I don't think Larry Hogan's ever going to poll more than 2% at the best, but if he were to get up there, would Larry Hogan... Make that pledge that I'll support Donald Trump if he's the nominee? Good question. Uh, on the Democrat side now, um, there was an interesting op-ed in the, I think it was in the Washington, no, it was in the New York Times.
they ran an opinion piece that was written by former White House counsel Greg Craig. And uh, he, he basically said we need to be showing uh, Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, more support, give him more love. That, um, you know, okay, we, we, there's some questions about his age and his physical condition and how he walks and all his blunders and the list goes on and on and on. But um, he's saying, you know, we got to give him, you know, some more respect. The, the Democrats, I think he's speaking to primarily, that Democrats need to respect Joe. He's the president. And he'll probably, he very well might be the next uh, presidential nominee again in 2024. So while he says that, he also says that we got to get rid of Kamala. <laughs> now he actually goes on in this piece and says, "Oh, you know, Kamala, she could she could probably." win the approval to be the vice president again. But what he is saying is, I mean, he's sort of giving Joe a get-out-of-jail-free card that Joe ought to do what FDR did the final time he was running in his third term for the presidency when his health began to be in question. And that was he went and said he is going to allow the delegates at the convention to select who his VP will be. He, FDR did that the final time he ran. And he is suggesting, this Greg Craig is suggesting that, that Joe Biden do the same thing. Uh, you know, I think it's actually an interesting idea. And I think it does give Joe Biden the opportunity to get a get-out-of-jail-free card. In other words, his ability to dump Kamala Harris. Not that anybody really cares. I mean, listen... Everybody knows, I mean, everybody knows that Kamala Harris is incapable of being a student body president of a high school, let alone the president of the United States. And I mean, I think everybody realizes that. The woman can't put two sentences together that make you scratch your head and say, where in the world is this person coming from? So I actually, th and I actually think it would probably be a, a positive to give some energy to the Joe Biden campaign that, again, everybody realizes that Joe has cognitive abilities. As I just said, the rest of the world is using Joe Biden as their comic relief. But here's the big unknown. Who would the delegates pick? And, and, and beyond that, don't, don't fool yourselves that it would actually be the delegates picking. I don't believe that for one second. It, look, if they can cheat in a general election, you don't think they're going to cheat? And who the person is that would be picked to be the VP? I actually, I, I would not be surprised if this came to fruition. That Joe says, you know what, we're a democracy. We're a democracy. Oh, he's not going to use the term we're a democratic republic. But he'll say, we're a democracy, so let's let the people decide. Let's let the delegates decide. Now, who would they pick? AOC? Bernie Sanders? No, who's the, who would they pick? Michelle Obama. <laughs> you wait for it. You wait for it. I, 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 I am not going to go way out on the limb and say this is this is going to be this is what's going to happen. But in all honesty, I would not. In fact, I would not be surprised if this Greg Craig was set up to write this op-ed and submit it to the New York Times. I, I mean, th th these things don't happen by happenstance. It's not. Oh, gee, what a you know. I don't know this, this guy that used to be involved in the Obama uh, administration, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just he just was a, a concerned citizen, and this citizen is just sending out his opinion piece to the New York Times, and they just happen to print it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, th this is planned out. The idea that he's putting this out, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Biden administration, if Joe comes out and says, ah, yeah, this is a good idea. Of course, he won't be saying it. It'll be the, the puppet masters that make that decision for him. But who would they pick? Hmm. Gee, the people, the people, the delegates want Michelle Obama. If the people want Michelle Obama, how can Michelle refuse? She's got to go with what they, you know, I mean, this, listen. I, 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 again, just this might be one of those things you want to write down. The Greg Craig op-ed piece in the New York Times came out over the weekend. And uh, will, will that lead to a Michelle Obama VP? And then suddenly, Joe, eh, yeah, I've got, you know, suddenly, suddenly everybody turns on Joe. And Michelle's the. Next press. Joe will have some competition. Not much. <laughs> True and international average of pressure. <laughs> Best-selling self-help author and guru, Marianne Williamson. Recognize that name? Um, this witch doctor is now 70 years old. She ran last time in 2020. Then she finally dropped out, and she got behind. Uh, she endorsed Bernie Sanders. But um, she has come out today and said she's going to challenge uh, Cousin Eddie for the presidency in the Democratic primary. She said, quote, I'm not putting myself through this again just to add to the conversation. I'm running for president to help bring an arbor rational chapter to our history to a close, of our history to a close, and to help bring forth a new beginning. <laughs> uh, does that sound anything like hope and change? Williamson running against a sitting president from her own party would be the longest of long shots. If there was nobody running, if Joe says, I'm not running, it would be a, the longest of long shots. Now, she didn't come out and mention Donald Trump by name, but she did infer the fact that the last president prior to Joe Biden had never held political office. That means, hey, if it uh, worked for him, why can't it work for me? Quote, I feel my 40 years being up close and personal with the trauma of so many thousands of individuals gives me a unique perspective on what is needed to help repair America, Williamson wrote. We need a politics that treat not just the symptoms but the cause that does not base itself on the crass uh, endless corporate profit, but on the eternal imperatives of our principles and values. That sounds like a Kamala Harris statement. <laughs> so we'll have another Kamala Harris uh, speaker out there putting together her world's word salad. So she was a, a guru to uh, Hillary Clinton, to Oprah Winfrey. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Um, you know, she's sort of a psychic guru. And that's, that's just what we need, a liberal psychic guru in the White House. So, I mean, she says she's all about saving the democracy. And yet, who did she endorse the last time uh, when she dropped out last time? Bernie Sanders, an avowed communist.
but she wants to save the democracy. <laughs> Can't make it up. Hey, we're going to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. And after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, and I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Welcome back in. Thank you, Joe. We think we know what you think, but I think you don't think. Uh, the deep state took a potential hit today, rightly so. It's about time. I mean, this has gone on since 2008. I'm speaking of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Today, the United States Supreme Court said that it has agreed to hear arguments in a case dealing with the constitutionality or unconstitutionality of an entire federal agency, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or the CF. PB. Specifically, the case deals with how the agency is funded. Currently, the Federal Reserve keeps the CFPB lights on rather than Congress, which has the responsibility of funding the rest of the federal bureaucracy. The decision for the Supreme Court to take the case comes after a lower court, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, ruled that the CFPB PB's funding system is unconstitutional in the unanimous decision. Instead, the panel said the CFPB should be funded by Congress. The Bureau's funding scheme is unique across the myriad of independent executive agencies across the federal government, the appeals court ruled, noted. It uh, is not funded by periodic congressional appropriations as the rest are. In the wake of the lower court ruling, the Biden administration sought to appeal the decision to the Supreme Court in the current term. And while the Supreme Court did agree to hear arguments in the case, it delayed the case until its next term, which won't get underway until October, likely pushing a decision to June of 2024. Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, responded to the Supreme Court's order taking up the case by noting that the CF. PB has long been an agency that lacks transparency, seeks to operate beyond its jurisdiction, adding, I look forward to the reviewing of the Supreme Court's decision when the time comes and continuing my efforts to hold the CFPB accountable to the American people and to Congress. Again, this is something way outside the Constitution. This was, this was done in 2008, under, uh, I think it was under the Obama administration, after the uh, uh, after the the bad collapse in 2008, and it is unaccountable to anybody but the bureaucracy. The Congress, because Congress holds the purse strings, they they really can't hold this group accountable. So it's going to be uh, interesting. Unfortunately, it's disappointing that. Um, and I don't. I'd have to find out. I am not sure whether or not the lower court ruling has um, slowed down or uh, basically 
held the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at bay until the Supreme Court uh, hears it. But uh, right now the lower court has said uh, what you're doing is unconstitutional. So I, we'll try to dig a little deeper to find out where that uh, where that lands. The Washington Free Beacon is reporting owners of electric vehicles have found there's a downside to not relying on gas. This from a report from ABC News. You know, it's interesting. The electric vehicle craze has all been an emotional sell that doesn't lower fossil fuels. It's still fossil fuels that makes the electricity to charge the cars. In some cases, they're probably using coal-burning energy to create the electricity to charge the cars. Uh, This ABC report said owners of gas vehicles face a logistic nightmare, driving longer drives and locating chargers for the cars and sometimes waiting hours to access the chargers and power their vehicles. So, I mean, basically, if you got an electric vehicle and all you're going to do is drive around town, you know, the, the furthest you would drive would be an hour away, 90 minutes away, and then back home where you can recharge. That might work. One New York father, Steve Hams, told ABC News he is stressed over planning how to have his daughter recharge her electric Hyundai driving from Albany, New York, to college in Pennsylvania. It makes me a little nervous, Hams said. We want fast chargers that take 30 to 40 minutes. It would make no sense to sit a level two charger. In other words, level two is basically like plugging your house into an outlet at the uh, plugging your car into an outlet at the house. There isn't a good software tool that helps EV owners plan their trips. By the way, there was a study or a a report out last week that said 20% of the government charging stations don't work. Other drivers reported similar anxieties to ABC News, recounting stories of struggling to find fast charging stations on road trips and being stranded for hours as they deal with lines and broken chargers. So, I mean, a fast charge... It's 30 to 40 minutes. How long does it take you to fill up with gas? Three to four minutes? Ten minutes at tops? That's if you go and get a cup of coffee. The logistic challenges come as the Biden administration is pushing to transition the public away from gas-powered cars to electric vehicles, setting a target of 50% of all auto sales by electric vehicles by 2030. Seven years from now, don't think it's going to happen. One frustrated driver told ABC News he's seeing charging spacing is occupied by gas cars, charging cords that won't reach his vehicle, broken chargers, and hours-long wait times to use the charger. I mean, if you had an electric vehicle and you wanted to drive from here to Nashville, would you do it? The challenges are made more daunting during extreme weather temperatures as electric cars' range falls when you're using the heat in the car. You use the luxuries and the range plummets, one driver told ABC News. Another reported being stuck at a station in the cold for hours when the charging plug got stuck in her Tesla. (laughs) The Biden, I mean, and listen, all you hear about, and the manufacturers, they're pushing it too. I mean, you look at their ads on TV and they tell you how wonderful it is. It's quiet and clean and we love it. The Biden administration's electric vehicle push has taken criticism, not just from the logistic difficulties, but also 
how green policies would benefit China. Bingo! Which dominates manufacturing of electric vehicle batteries. The Washington Free Beacon reported last week the administration's green subsidies passed last summer will fund Chinese technology and workers in manufacturing electric vehicles. So the top lead story we had today was all about COVID, how the Chinese have been lying through the teeth. And and by the way, I uh, got another story in the uh, pile. Uh, now, you know, I didn't print it off, but there was a story uh, out today about someone who had uh, sat on a Chinese energy company that was basically controlled by uh, the CHICOM over in China. And uh, he's saying that uh, Hunter got paid something in the neighborhood of $6 million. Uh, I mean, is, you got to ask yourself, it's certainly the appearance of a conflict of interest. you got to ask yourself, the, the, Biden, the Biden family has gotten millions of dollars, and now we're taking steps that would give them billions back in batteries. Speaking of uh, climate change, uh, climate activist Greta Thunberg today chained herself to the entrance of the Norway Ministry of Energy to protest wind turbines. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is, okay, she's been protesting fossil fuels all this time. Her home country sets up wind turbines, and now she's protesting that because she says, it is, and, and she might be right on this. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that these wind turbines are affecting these whales that are beaching themselves. This is all wrong. Yeah. And, and now they're saying that it is affecting reindeer, that uh, certain natives that live up above the Arctic Circle herd these reindeers and uh, indigenous groups. And uh, now she is saying that this is not fair. She says indigenous rights, human rights, human rights must go hand in hand with climate protection and climate action, she said. She told Reuters. This can't happen at the expense of some people. That's not climate justice. Okay, let's follow your logic, Greta. So how do you feel about leaving fossil fuels behind and leaving people in the cold, because that's exactly... Now, fortunately, it wasn't a severe winter over in Europe. Had it been, there have been people that probably would have frozen to death. So you're saying this can't happen at the expense of some people. Following that logic, leaving fossil fuels will leave people cold, they'll leave people without heat, without the ability to cook, or the, uh, the ability to travel. So uh, if that's true... For the wind turbines, why not make that the case for fossil fuels? Problem is, Greta won't have anything to protest. I should be back in school. <laughs> Please. By the way, Greta's 20 now. I know she still looks like she's 12. She's actually 20 now. How dare you? And and Greta is making... Look, this, this is another... She She is... I mean, right now she's a celebrity, worldwide left-wing celebrity, just like Al Gore. And uh, no doubt... Go look at her bank account. I mean, could we please have some transparency there? Could we please have transparency on Al Gore's bank account and Greta Thunberg's bank account? Because I tell you, there's another case. Just like Fauci making money over his lies, she's making plenty of dough over her lies. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
The Hill is reporting on an interview that uh, Cousin Eddie Joe Biden did with uh, ABC News, David Murr. And uh, it's probably not going to be uh, uh, real positive for his uh, re-election campaign. What happened? That's what a lot of people are probably asking right now, Joe. Uh, Biden said in this interview that concerns about his age are, quote, totally legitimate. As questions swirl whether he'll run again in 2024. During the interview, Biden, who is now 80, was asked whether he is considering his age when deciding whether to run again, to which he replied no. However, he said it is, quote, legitimate for people to raise concerns about it. It's legitimate for people to raise issues about my age, he told Murr. It's totally legitimate to do that, and the only thing I can say is, watch me. <laughs> Joe, why do you go there? We have been watching you. That's the whole reason people are asking about your age. Biden, the oldest president in U.S. history, will be 82 when sworn in if reelected in 2024. Biden's age has drawn concerns from both sides of the aisle. Listen, Remember when Ronald Reagan was running the first time he ran? People were just saying, oh, he's too old. There's going to be all kinds of problems. And the second time he ran, they, they you know, they used it again. And uh, Ronald Reagan was one of the best presidents we had. And, and indeed, as he got older, of course, we all know that he ended up getting Alzheimer's and uh, a sad way to go. But uh, Ronald Reagan was a young man as compared to Joe Biden. Remember all the Democrats that were all over Ronald Reagan. And uh, they're now questioning Joe, not because uh, they don't want him in there, because he's been a useful idiot, literally and figuratively, but also uh, because they're realizing, eh, we might not win with him and Kamala. And thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.